0: And welcome back to 90s Noise. This is Ashley, born 1988. I'm
1: April, born 1991. All right, we're back with another episode of 90s Noise. Today we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Andy Delaney, who is a music video director and also a movie director too. We are very happy that you are joining us here from the UK on this very historic day of coronation uh for you guys's new king we told you we had talked to howard and everything he was like you have to talk to andy <laughs> andy is got great stories and loves um he had just great things to say about you also and so when we were looking at the work he done it's like shit like he's he's done that okay yeah we definitely need to talk to talk to you and at least reach out and see and thank you so much for being here we really appreciate that i know ashley had a couple quick questions she definitely wanted to ask on a few of those music videos so go ahead ashley
0: okay um so the first one i really wanted to talk about because we already talked about this on one of our past episodes was the music video you did for seal the crazy music video yes
2: Well, hello, girls, nice to see you. Um, uh, Okay, so let's start with Seal. Well, okay, it's a long time ago, first of all, so my memory's fuzzy. I think that we got the song, now, I just wanna say, when I was doing this stuff in the 90s, I was working with another guy called Monty. We were met at college, he ran the Film Society, and I was doing visual communications and he got me in, I'll give you a back He got me in to do film projections at a nightclub. This was like the rave era. Ooh. So we started doing film projections. This does lead to Seal eventually. <laughs> and, um, we got kind of, it, we got quite big. So we, every weekend we do two nights up in London at the, when house music was beginning. And we have six projectors and we project all this imagery on these huge screens above the dance floor. And it meant every week we had to pre- but shoot and edit new material, and this was on film because you're there was no, you know. So we had these big film changes. But we got quite groovy, right? And the reason we were called Big TV, which was our name, was because one of the clubs was named after our film installations, because wow. it was going inside a big TV. And so the club called themselves Big TV,
1: oh. and
2: we nicked the name. So, so but when we started. We got to meet a load of kind of up-and-coming artists and stuff, bands who weren't doing anything like The Beloved and Soul to Soul and, and Seal and you know we would meet them socially like half drunk in a club you know and Seal was one of the people who'd hang around and then we got going and we started making videos and we really started off with this band there's a woman called Yaz and she was with a she did a song called the only way is up and it was a big dance hit over there over here and mm-hmm. because of that and the, the DJ the, the musicians behind her were two DJs called cold cuts and they knew everyone so we did a video for them and it was kind of okay it was you know basic but then soldiers all like well why don't you try and do one for us and everyone in london wanted to do that track like it was amazing so once we got that then we're away and so a couple of years later, Seal, Seal's people sent us over the song, and when we spoke to Seal, he was like, "Are oh, you two those guys who did all that?" And we were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So we had that connection, and then with Seal, it was just, I can't remember why we we had this very, we just liked videos shot on white backgrounds. We were big fans of that. we were big fans of Paul Abdul Straight Up, with David Fincher. Mm. So we thought we'll do that, but we. <laughs> But we'll add some stuff. And we were fascinated by, there was this new technology, which meant you could do digital copies of things, just brand new. And so we are like, okay, a motion controller just come in. So we thought, let's do this thing, and we'll put six, we'll put eight seals on a circular thing and rotate it, and let's try that. I mean, and it was a good idea. And that combined with um, just shooting him on white. And then we shot him, like a kind of rock icon that was the big idea we were like is this dance guy but he looks pretty cool let's make him i th- we just had an idea that he'd be a kind of rock god so we dressed him like a rock god in leather you know we thought oh this is fun he's not going to dress like mc hammer he's going to be like, you know and it worked out really well um and went huge and we got nominated for five mtv awards and I, I was like oh my god didn't win any but I was at like 27 and in LA with Seal. <laughs> and um, and it was great. And it, that that kind of really cut through internationally, I think for us and got. So it's all sold and then Seal. And we were like, okay, oh Jesus. I, I think I was still what you call in the UK signing on, which is why okay. you get your housing benefit paid. You know, you're kind of basically unemployed because I wasn't really making, we weren't making any money out of videos. We were just spending all of the money on the video. So the idea that we have a fee was like, yeah, of course we've got a fee, but we'll just spend it on the video because I'm getting free money for the government. i get my unemployment. Okay. Know? And so for like three years, we were not really taking any money. Home. Like I remember in 1990, I had 15,000 or about $15,000 in the world, and i have been making videos for 18 months, but we just didn't keep any of it. And you know, it was kind of, um, probably not a good, good thing, because it meant, even though the budgets weren't huge at that point, we could really, we just didn't care. We are like, I don't care if we go over, if we need to shoot another couple of hours, we'll pay for everyone, but I don't care. Because it was just such a ridiculously exciting thing to do, to make music videos for these bands, half of whom we kind of knew. Um, I know that's not really a lot of a, a story about Seal, but that's kind of a bit of a backstory. So that's that's Seal for you, lovely man.
1: That's great. No, like I, I I love music videos. They they bring so much more to the story of the song, and I feel like nowadays they kind of are half-assed. Whereas if you look back in the 90s, early 2000s, 80s, all of those. It's its its much more of a production, at least in my eyes, as a viewer. And I love that. and I love hearing these stories about what you guys did with it.
2: Well, I mean, I'm going to have to say that there was a lot of rubbish made as well. All right. You can't romanticize it. Most of the things like we had this philosophy of We want our videos to be very recognisable in like three seconds. So like this iconic imagery. So, because there was loads of music videos being made and there was usually people, the camera would dolly around and there'd be some dancers and and it was just like crap. And it was easy to be better than anyone else. I mean, and that's the arrogance of youth, but that's, and then we would look at really good directors. Like David Fincher was our age, but he was very much ahead of us. And this guy called Jean-Baptiste Mondino, who's a French director. And so we just look at the very best in the world and go, well, let's just kind of rip them off. And like we ripped them off in a way that was unrecognizable because we were so incompetent. But in the, in the kind of study of really good people, you get better very quickly. Yeah. And I think there was a, there became a kind of competition. Howard was in this competition with us, Howard Greenhouse, of like, who can do the better video. Like he was doing these Pet Shop Boys videos, so like, oh God, Howard's really kicking ass. And I, I wasn't really very close to him then. I'm really good friends with him now, but I'm like, fuck, shit, okay. And then Jonathan Glazer did Street Spirit for Radiohead. It was like, fuck, okay, we better do, oh, Jesus. And it was very much, it felt a very small set of people that we were competing with. And there was a load of people out there we didn't bother competing with because it was crap, you know, but, that was what drove our um, thinking. You know, it was it was that. And, and it wasn't, and this is the big admission, they weren't really about the songs. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd get a song and then there'd be a vibe, but I wasn't trying to illustrate the lyrics. Never, like ever. Like Seal, the Seal video, crazy, what the hell? That video has nothing to do with the lyrics. Like all this stuff. Sold sold back to life. Like, what the hell's that? Uh, you know, we did stuff for the Beloved. I don't know if you've seen this Sweet Harmony video. You should check it out. It was huge, Beavis and Butthead loved it. And that's just a note of another white side video and, and it was we were it it was, you know, stolen from a Jimi Hendrix album. There's a Jimi Hendrix photograph. I'm rambling, but this have a look at the Beloved video. And that was like Jimi Hendrix sitting around with a note of the naked women on it white on a background classic 60s thing we're like oh we could do that but we could just do it on white and make it a bit more modern and it was huge and it was didn't matter what the song was right and then I remember we did this video you have to check it out listeners viewers you have to look at sweet harmony by the beloved it was huge and I was at home after this video was done in 93 and the phone went and it was meatloaf Meatloaf, called me, and I was a bit stoned, I must say. I was quite relaxed. And it was like, aye, this is meat. And I was, what? <laughs> what, And it, who's, what? And it was like, oh, oh yeah, it's me. Um Is that Andy? And, I was, yeah. and he went, I know what, I know what it's about. It wasn't, it was so cryptic. And I was like, what are you on about? It's, like, it's it's, 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 the, their souls. And I was like, what? A, who are you? And he was like, oh, it's Meatloaf. And I was like, okay, this is odd. And I was like, what video are you talking about, sir? And he went, oh, it's the beloved. And I went, okay. And he's like, yeah, it's all about souls about to be reborn and they're going to come down to earth. And I'm like, is it? I mean, I don't know. It's just like, we were just experimenting with anamorphic flares on what. So it was, it was really fun because stuff like that would happen, you know? And then we went to see Meat in New York. He flew us over to a meeting about, I'll do anything for love, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like... Come to New York meet me. If you know what the song's about, you can do the video. I mean, oh, I don't know what the song's about. I think it's it's quite rude. I mean, I'll do anything but I won't do that. That could be very rude, all right? I don't want to talk about that, mate. There's implications there for some kind of sexual activity. So we went to New York and pitched him an idea and he went, no, that's not what the song's about. And we went home. We met Meatloaf for 10 minutes and then Michael Bay did it. So it was a very, uh, Interesting time. There was a lot of money in music videos, which there isn't now. Um, and we got access to some of that money. You know, we started to get bigger budgets. And um, but but these days, record companies pay much less for videos generally, which may be why a lot of them are not so great. But I think a lot of them are pretty good. There's still some really good ones. That's just they're just you know, they, yeah, they're really good people working at it. And I just think that's the that's really the same in any era, because, you know, there's there's a percentage that is good. Um, And then there's a load of shit. But you can tell the people who are trying to push it forward, you know. There's really good stuff out there. Like that Donald Glover thing. What was the Childish Gambino video? This is America. Oh, my God. Like, that was astonishing. There's loads of stuff. Anyway, that's me just ranting about music videos. Give me another one. I'll tell you about it.
0: Like, what was your most challenging music video that you shot? Do you have an idea?
2: <laughs> that's a very interesting one. They usually, okay, that's a good question. Okay, I've got one for you. Now, I'll tell you about the famous one. I've got a few, but George Michael and Mary J. Blige. Okay, that was tough because we went to see George. Okay, we'd done this video for All Saints called Never Ever. And we did this one shot in it and we pulled back from the girls. And then as you pulled back, there's more girls. And we did this, another digital clone thing. And George was like, you know, I love your videos, guys, but that particular shot, I want that for a whole video. And I want me on one side of a church. This was the original George Michael idea. Again, people at home, check it out. I I want loads of me and loads of Mary, J Blige, but we're in a church. And we're two choruses, two choirs, singing opposite each other. And we do the, you know, vocals back and forth in some sense, right? We're a big gang of us. And we're like, okay, George. And he, would, he took us out for lunch near his house in Highgate. we're like, okay, this is not a shit idea, George, at all. Why don't you get the coffees in? We're going to walk around the block and have a think about it. And literally, while we walked around the block, we were like, oh, oh God, that's a bit boring. That will be crap. And so what about, I can't remember if it was me or Monty, but we were were quite irreverent. We were like, what about George goes into a club and everyone in there is George Michael. And then you turn around and then everyone else is Mary J. Blige. And then the camera just explores this club where everyone's either George or Mary. And we're like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. No idea how to do it. Like no idea, none. (laughs) And just went back in and went, yeah, we do this. And he went, oh, that's, yeah. Okay, that's a better idea. He um, didn't even ask if it was possible. and it, Which it really, we pretty much invented the technology with our buddies at Framestore. And that took, that was so hard to do because in the video, sometimes there's 140 takes of different Georges around the club that have to be stitched together. Which wow. is motion control camera, that's a robot camera that repeats the move. So you've got to do 140 takes of one shot and you've got four minutes to fill, right? And it just, and the camera would occasionally break down. And I would expect it, yeah. <laughs> so um, we, had a, we had a five-day shoot planned and on day five, Mary had to go back to the States. Mary B- J. Blight, by the way, well, George Michael, amazing. Mary, astonishing. When I made Mary a cup of tea on the first day of the shoot, I was like, how do you have your tea, Mary? Milk and sugar, no milk sugar, do you have tea? You're American, you don't know about tea, but I, let me make one for you. She was so touched that the director would make her a cup of tea because she was used to it in, in the States. The director she worked with were quite tea, and not very nice, and uh, so that I honestly, completely won her over. She was so full of joy on this shoot because I'd made her a cup of tea. Oh. So that's one thing. But the shoot overran because of these technical things. So on day five, we still hadn't finished and she had to go home. And we had one, the last shot of the video to do, which is 60, 45 seconds of the song, and No Mary, which is a bit of a problem. So we got, we found a body double and we shot the body double in every single of the 140 takes are not looking at camera. So we had to choreograph it, so that you wouldn't tell. And we didn't. But that was tricky. That was, tr- and we were all so tired, like half the crew were just sleeping on the floor at night. We wouldn't go home. We were shooting in this big old place in East London. And by the end, we're doing sixteen hour days and then, by the end, it was like seventeen hour days, and then it got to eighteen hour days, and then by the time you get to eighteen hour days, you're exhausted. You can't be asked to try and go home and get three hours sleep. So people were just asleep. Just bring a bring a bloody sleeping bag. So it was like going to camp. George would go home, thank God, and we'd always practice the shots in the morning with with standing, so that George wouldn't have to be there for the first two hours of bullshit. But that was really hard. Then the Lauren Hill one was tough. Yes, I was
1: going
2: to ask about that one. Yeah, that was great. She said her brief was, I want something a bit 60s and a bit 90s, right? Because she was doing this kind of new soul thing. And when we were like, really literal, simple minded fools. And we we're like, okay, what about this? It's half 60s and half 90s. So one side of the screen is in the 60s, and then the other half's in the 90s. And we'll do it in like, we were like, oh, we'll do it in a like, s- school gym, like prom night. You know, and we'll split the screen all the time and it'll be 60s front night and 90s. And she was like, Yeah, that's a bit uh, not really my culture. That's not, that's more of a white boy thing. (laughs) We're like, Okay, yeah, you might be right. Because we nicked it off Greece. We were looking at Greece going, Oh, we'll just do Greece. And um, so we went, What about a street party? And she went, Yeah, 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 let's do a street party. So then we had to figure out how to do that. Um, and we joined the Harlem Museum of um, African American History, Harlem Library of Af- African American History. So we, were, we lived in New York for six weeks, did all this research at the library, went to Lawrence house, met her mum and dad, looked at the photo albums of what their, her parents were wearing, blah, 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 did all this stuff, and really got deep into the kind of um, history, the social history, to get it right. And then we had to deal with the fact that she was seven months pregnant. And didn't want her ever to know. So in the video, she's nearly seven months pregnant. She's six and a half. And so we had to, we had to do it. And we had to shoot two, two Laurens in different wardrobes, match them up. But in neither of them were we allowed to make her look pregnant. And she was a big girl at the time. Because she th- said, oh, if they know I'm pregnant, they won't promote the album. So you, do the video. It's a great idea. But don't make sure I don't look pregnant. We're like, okay. <laughs> okay all right that's just another thing all right and so we've got this brilliant wardrobe stylist here a friend of ours called kim Bowen, who designed the outfits and then we had to shoot them in a very specific way and and you know we shot the whole of the 90s so which is on the right hand side of i oh, know we shot the 60s first and then what we did was we shot from we shot for four days up in washington nights but the whole set dressed as the 60s and like 150 extras all in wardrobe lauren the her kind of you know motown style backing band, marked every single shot on the sidewalk with spray can so that we could come back a week later when we'd edited that side of the video to what where the camera was to put the it back to the same position move it over a bit line it up and then position everything so it was really technical Right. It was and it was very basic technology, it was nothing clever. It was just being very organized about how we did that. And Lauren was just fantastic to us, but she was quite grumpy with other people. And she was not very pleasant to the wardrobe lady in the end, and, and production and such. She was, you know, she was extremely lovely to me. But I think in her defense, she was under enormous pressure. She'd done this album, she got pregnant. She knew that, you know, she just got kind of, the Fuji. She was big and she was paranoid that they were just gonna kind of bury the record because she's pregnant and she can't promote it. So I think that, that, that was why she was a little bit under pressure. Um, and, you know, things happened like one of the extras turned up on day three, came back to the shoot with a gun and held up the um, uh, casting department. So there was a department set up to give everyone like a hundred bucks at the end of the day or whatever, you know. So they had a big bag of cash to give the extras. And this kid turned up and just robbed us. So that was fun, you know. So that was quite. I don't think that was hard. I just think it was a lot of work. And because. Um, there was a sufficient budget for us to live in New York for six weeks. We were able to be so prepared that we could make a really good video. And it won everything. I mean, I've got my MTV award up there. That's for Lauryn Hill. Um, that little silver thing.
1: Yeah, the moon I see it.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so that was tough. Other tricky ones, I don't know, you kind of forget. I think the ones that Oh, okay. Here's one. Did you see the Sinead O'Connor video?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so that went horribly wrong. Like, because we had this idea. And Sinead was nice, and she wanted to use wolves. She, The only thing she said was like, oh, it's about the family, and I want to use wolves. And we're like, okay. <laughs> you know? Well, all right. And so we didn't. We used dogs, nice doggies. But she um, was... Quite erratic, not in, a, not in an unpleasant way. She just would really be on her own schedule and time scale. Um, so she'd be a little bit late, you know. And so we shot this video in a specific part of London called um, Borough Market. I mean, it looks really Victorian. It's been gentrified now, but then it looked like 19th century because we wanted it to look Victorian. and 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 it's a big, market where it's food market and they have the market in the morning and then at two o'clock or three o'clock it shuts and then they bring all the food and stuff in for the next day in huge lorries which were traveling up and down the road we were filming on. but we didn't mind because we were like well we'll be pretty much done by three o'clock not so much done if Sinead doesn't turn up till 11. So then we were shooting Sinead and we had rain machines and fog and kids and dogs and like all this crap. But from three o'clock on, every 15 minutes an articulated lorry would come, like a big 18-wheeler would come through the set. So we'd have to pull all the lights out, the camera, reset, go again, 15 minutes to get, okay. That was a ball ache. And then she got grumpy because it was taking so long and it was like, mate, all you had to do was rock up at eight o'clock and we'd be fine. So easy there Sinead. And so the video was um, so problematic in the shooting that we shot a day without her, with a body double, some dogs and stuff like that. And then we had all these, this idea of, we shot super high speed raindrop water drops. And we put babies inside them, like we shot these babies, it was all like about Death and the loss of generations. That was quite nice, but we could do that without her. And then we put a load of text over everything because it was so we were we were so lacking in material that we put a load of writing all over it in a very arty way. Got a Grammy nomination. So what can I tell you? Out of adversity comes not shit sometimes. <laughs> so um, so there's some there's some what I like to call horror stories, but they weren't really horror None of it was really, I'm trying to think of, okay, the, the this, we never made a video for her, but the, the woman I think would have been the most problematic to work with was, can you guess it, Madonna. Mm,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: wouldn't be surprising. So we, we were up for several Madonna videos and went to meet her, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't happen. We got booked, and then we got unbooked, and we got, we got paid to do a Madonna video, but didn't shoot it. But she was quite tricky. And I remember going to see her, and we got there late because our car broke down, and we had to push it up a road. And we were like, oh, it was it, honestly, it's like, I'm going to see Madonna. Oh, we've run out of petrol a mile away. Oh, no. And we turned up I turned up sweating and covered in rain and there's all these kids outside like nightmare. And then she came we went into a house and she had a fire on and oh god and I was just like pfft, right, and boiling. And we had oh and we had no idea. Didn't have an idea. I I'd seen some one photograph I think that I liked and I was like, It's a Monte. All I, he said, "If you got it? We'd do this when we'd meet up, we'd meet up and go for a walk around Soho. That's how we'd come up. That is, and, and like the day before the, sh- uh, the meeting, he was like, Have you got anything? I went, No. And he was like, oh, This is for Frozen, okay, it's called Frozen. And I went, No. And I got one thing, it was really crap, not crap, but just thin. And so, we were kind of nervous going into the meeting to meet Madonna and really have a bit of a nothing. And she was so rude, I was making small talk, I was like, Oh. You've worked with Mark Romanek. I don't know if you know who he is. Mark Romanek is a video director. Remade. Lenny Crow. Check him out. And so I was like, oh, you've made some videos with Mark. He's amazing. You know, he's a friend of ours. He's great. And she was like, don't talk to me about that. C word. And that's nice as an opening. I mean, I've only just sat down, Madge. Jesus, mate. And you're slagging off Mark. So that set the tone. <laughs> And um, so to be quite stressed, sweaty, wet, under pressure in a, with Madge, oh yeah, this is one fun detail for the ladies and gentlemen. She was wearing, when we got to her house, she was wearing a kind of crown of flowers in her head, like a ring, but it wasn't on straight, it was like on wonky. So you kind of look at her go, (laughs) just a little thing that makes the whole day, so you're talking to Madonna, but you can't quite take her seriously because it's she's just, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and then while we were doing the meeting, there was these two guys in the other end of the room. And then when we came in, she said, oh, come and meet Maurizio and Fabrizio or whatever. Like, these is two Italian guys. And I was like, oh, right, yeah, whatever. I thought they were the stylists. I just thought, and they were very camp and oh, hello. And, and it was Dolce & Gabbana. It was actually them. I didn't know. Wow. I didn't know. Right? And so she, I don't know, and Monty knew. And he was, Monty was really being nice. And I was like, that's fine, but I don't know. And, and I, <laughs> I didn't know. And then part of the small talk, after the after the, um, Mark Romanek thing, there was a load of Dolce & Gabbana clothes all over the kind of coffee table in front of us, a load of lingerie and knickers. And, and I said, as part of small talk, I was like, oh, I see you've got a lot of Dolce & Gabbana stuff here. Is there a sale on? <laughs> is there a sale on? Like Madonna would need to go buy because I'm an idiot, I'm a peasant. <laughs> and Monty just looked at me like, oh, <laughs> And she just looked at me. And I, so <laughs> I was just some sweaty lump, you know, talking about is there a sale on? And uh, yeah, anyway, so that was, that was Madonna um fun fun days fun times so that's yeah anyway far away anymore what else would you like to know
1: i just gotta i just gotta say on that on that point that is a story that you can't get anywhere else like that Uh is just so real and i love that and that's part of what our podcast is about is like getting the real details
2: well Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the coda for your podcast. So we get up to go. And um, and as I say, I've been hot. I was hot, sweaty. I, I was covered in rain from the, pushing the car. And I stand up, and I'm like, "Well, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, you know." And and as I stand up, Madonna's looking behind me because I've sat on a chair full of her lingerie. And my hot greasy bottom my jeans had got stuck to all of this laundry. which as i walked out of the room they fell off my ass but <laughs> like, and that was how i left goodbye plop, 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 plop. <laughs> bye boys so yeah it's a good one that's a good i have told that story to uh my missus and she uh, she's heard it many times but it's quite yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so.
1: I fucking love that. That's that's just great. I, I do love that. So us being 90s kids and everything. Yes. One of the biggest music artists that has come from the UK for yeah. us is Spice Girls.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, we should talk about the Spice Girls. Yeah, I forgot Yes, that. please, please. Oh, the Spice Girls. Okay, so this is fun. So when the Spice Girls, we were in competition with this guy, Vaughan, who'd done their previous video. Like, no, we weren't in He was like a ri- friendly rival. We just thought he was really good. He was one of the guys, or girls, or some brilliant women, female directors, that we were like, shit, fuck. And he'd done a video for the Spice Girls. We're like, oh, God. And no one really thought the Spice Girls were any good. They were, they were just a kind of girl band. But they were good. They were good. But they, we were being snobby. Anyway, we got asked by a Virgin, we'd done a load of videos for Virgin and they asked if we'd do it. And we were like, mate, we're so busy. I mean, I don't know. I like, honestly. Um they like, oh go on, give us an idea. And so the song was a kind of Christmas song, and we got sent it, you know, you get sent it in like July, right? And um but we were like, busy doing commercial, doing commercial. funding. then we're like, okay, we can do something, but we'd have to do it in at the end of September. And when, it, when it's a Christmas record coming out, they want the video first, first of November because they've got to push it. Earlier, October, they want it ready. So we're like, well, okay. So we always thought Christmas for us was New York, actually, and the ultimate Christmas location is New York because. It's just so romantic and magical. It's not, it's not, where else would you do it? It's the Swiss Alps. You want to be in New York, man. You want to be in New York. So we were trying to think we're to, okay, we're going to do it in New York. We want to do it. And we just had this image of an empty New York. The idea was that the spy schools are wandering around a completely empty New York, which is just magical. You can explore it. It's your own playground. There's nothing. It's no, It's not for people, it's just this magical moment. And how are we gonna do it? We did some research and we're right, like, okay, to get rid of the traffic, is what we knew we'd have to put them in later. We knew that we couldn't put, take them with us. They were big, they could, you know. And so we, we proposed, don't worry, we'll go to New York, we'll shoot it in a way using long exposure photography. We'll get rid of the traffic, get rid of the people. And, um, but after the, and, and so we went out and started shooting these background plates, but we got to the first day back and we were like, Oh shit, there's a load of streaks all over it, you know. And then we were like, That's quite good. That's really quite is. good. It was it, we, we 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 did toy with getting rid of the streets and having these empty streets, but it, streets, but um, the streets were really beautiful. Um, so we did that and that was part of the thing that was amazing about that was we, we were we had to shoot all that. It takes takes like shoot a 10 second clip because you're shooting long exposure i don't know if you know what that is in photography so you ha- or you hold the shutter open for 10 seconds per frame and you do 25 of those a second so that's 250 seconds of your life to get one second of film and that's four minutes so four minutes of filming to get one second, right? And you've got the Spice Girls song, which is four minutes long. So you're like, oh God, this is gonna take a while, right? And we wanted to move the camera and do it. So anyway, so we went to New York and started shooting these things and we realized that the only way we could do the whole project, because we were so short of time, was if we flew on Concorde. Mm. And I'd always wanted to fly, but we didn't realize that, that's bullshit. I wanted to go on Concorde because I was like, I'm a big fan of planes. So we told Virgin, look, we'll do this skills, man. Of course we will, it'd be great, but we have to fly on Concorde. Okay. <laughs> and so they went, yeah, okay. it was just crazy. They flew us to New York and Concorde. But the, the point of this story, and there is one, is that it was so, we shot such a long time every night from like six in the evening till five in the morning and then sleep and go, again, you know, and we did that for five days and on the last day, Last night, we shot till five in the morning, went back to the hotel, had a shower, went to the airport, gone Concord, went back to England, not having slept, like really tired, and had to go straight to the studio to get prepared to shoot the Spice Girls the following day. So we were so sleep deprived, it was insane. And then when it came to the shoot of them, they were at the height of their mania, and there were hundreds of kids who some, somehow found out where the video was being shot. So we had it was like Beatlemania. It was insane. You'd have to f- fight through crowds. And the um, second morning of the shoot, somebody broke in through the toilets, and there was some thirteen-year-old boy who broke in through the, you know, a window. And the girls were lovely, and the girls, you know. They were made sure that security brought into the set and they gave them a kiss and they did mm. and they were just like So great. I loved them. It was so great. And and we it was every morning they would come in and They the management would bring all the newspapers to the set So while they're being made up they'd have all the British newspapers in America. and American, because they were in everything and they Read out stories, and they were hilarious, and we just had like the best time. Um, and am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Is Absolutely. It? Okay, good. All right. On day two, Emma, Baby Spice was being filmed, and by the first day, we all gone really well. And so there's a there's a guy on a film shoot who's called a gaffer, and gaffer is the one who does the light, who puts the lights up, and he was called Johnny Diamond, right? And he was like a 65 year old, he looked like a butcher, like a classic London geezer. Red face, lovely, lovely bloke. We'd worked with him for ages, lovely. And, he, and, and we get Emma, goes up to the stage and we get the shot signed, lined up and we get the New York background plate and we, so we know what we're gonna do. And while she's getting ready, getting makeup on, Johnny's like, oh, good morning, Emma. You look gorgeous up there, Emma. You look gorgeous this morning, darling. Like, like that. And she says, because she's from London, Good morning to you, Johnny. What well, if I look so fucking gorgeous? Why don't you fucking come up here and fucking fuck me? And absolutely silences the set. <laughs> and she's in a little baby spice outfit. So that was um, that was them and they were just great. And then we did another one, which went really badly wrong. We did Mama, but that, that video did really well. And, it was once we'd shot it, wasn't very hard to edit. So it was like just compositing stuff, and then we did Mama, and Mama went really badly wrong because we had this stupid idea. Really, we going to we brought their mums in and we filmed them. That was all great. We got to meet their mums, but then we were going to do this kind of kids TV show idea, and the set was delayed, and a light fell off from the ceiling and nearly hit somebody. And there was all this health and safety, and so the video got kind of screwy. And then we didn't do any more from after that. And then I think how did one. I think how did a video for Spice, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Did he say he liked them? I mean, I liked them. Did he like them?
1: Yeah. He said he did. He enjoyed working with them and, uh, cause he did, what was it, Goodbye?
2: Yeah, the kind of, something shot in Northern Ireland, or Dublin. Yeah, yeah, the,
1: um, the castle and everything. Okay. Like, frozen, things are frozen.
2: Okay, so. oh yeah. So yeah, they were great and I, I, I bumped into um what's it called? What's her name? Victoria. A few years later. I bumped, yeah, with David Beckham. She was nice. I mean these are all nice people. So um they are. What is interesting is they're not my friends. I mean there's a couple of people I still see, like the beloved, Bangor the Beloved and you know, there's a few, but um just musicians, man. They're good people. They're good people. Um they, the, the you know, I met some who were not so great, like Puffy was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. He was a bit of a nightmare. And, I mean, not to me too much, but he came with a bad reputation. He was, mm-hmm. he was, um, he was pretty. So one story, and it's not about me, and I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a, um, a music video he was doing and he wasn't happy with the edit and the the director was in England but the edit was going on in Los Angeles and so Puffy got his boys to go around to the editor's house. I don't know how he found out at like 11 at night, got him up and forced him to go to the edit and bullied him into editing and was quite threatening behaviour. It was just kind of there was a thing at the time in hip hop that was there was an edge to things that was not great because it was a, it was getting really big. And I really wanted to do a video with him, with Puffy. I like the music. But didn't really didn't really work. And and what would happen is there's a lot of the guys would travel with a sixty D posse, you know, their friends. And that could get just and those guys are there just to have a good time. And they're gonna hang with the girls and they're gonna do and you know, and it just got like and we got sent a lot of uh, hip hop tracks after Lauren and couldn't really connect with anyone because we just didn't want to do the cliche things, you know, of cars and hip hop girls and booty shaking. It's like, uh, we're not, that's not gonna, that's not us. You know, cause the Lauren Hill video, although it was kind of hip hop video, it was not like the standard things, you know? Um, so yeah, that, and we did Usher, which was nice. He was nice, mm. but, um, but it, that was tricky, poor Usher, because we did that pop your collar thing and during the shoot, Babyface, or one of the guys, is it Babyface and, I can't remember who the other guys, and you know, his manager and producer came down to the shoot and said, oh, we're not gonna, this is, your album is bad, you're gonna have to re-record the whole thing.
0: Oh no. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm like, Man, could you tell him when we finish shooting? Because it's kind of bummed him out. Because he 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 went into the trailer and came back like not Mr. Cheerful Usher. I'm like, what's happening, man? He went they just rejected my album. Anyway, where should we where should we start shooting? It was really miserable. um So yeah, that was um that was tricky. But I would have liked to have done more stuff. We did. We worked with a lot of black artists. We worked, you know, obviously Seal, the Happy Mondays, not Happy Monday, Seal. Soul to Soul. We did a woman, one called Carleen Anderson. We did Lauren. We did a few, yeah. and I really liked working with that kind of music. It was great. And we never really did rock stuff. We were up for. We were going to work with Radiohead a few times. We met them a few times, and you know, they were they were they were nice. Tom Tom York was very grumpy. He wouldn't turn up. Yeah, and I met him in the, about twenty six. And he apologized. I said, no, it's nice to meet you, man, but you, complete, you were really quite unpleasant when I first met you. And then he was like, okay, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, because we were meeting them for Fake Plastic trees that song. Okay.
1: So you know that one? Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah, okay. And then we had quite a good idea. And, and we were, so we went into EMI. we met the commissioner, we met the band, all the band there, and they loved it. They loved the idea. We had this idea that there were gonna be there was this kind of tour bus with radio head on in the crashes and there's a horrendous car crash and they all stagger out and they're dead. I mean, you don't explain this in the video, and they're covered in soot and ash, and there's just plastic shit, there's just rubbish that's come pouring out of this bus and there's this lonely bus on a highway in the middle of America. Plastic shit everywhere, and the band covered in oil and dirt, and uh, huge plumes of smoke, and, and that was the idea, right? It's quite different to what ended up being done, and and the band loved it. And, and then Tom turned up two hours late. We explained it, and the band explained the video to him. It was like Ed explained it to him, and he went, "No, I don't want to do it." Okay, I've got to go, and he was there for ten minutes, less wow. five. So, and it was so when I saw him, I was like, "Yeah, you did that." He was like, oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was a bit under pressure. I was a bit of a dick because he had some mental health issues and was a bit of, And he didn't like the idea that we'd started the meeting without him. And it was like again, just turn up. It's because um, I've got a very strict fifteen minute rule for meetings, which is if you're not there after fifteen minutes, you at least call to say I'm going to be late, or you actually don't want to be there, and in which case if I'm going to go. Because it'll save us all the embarrassment. So that's stood me. I've lost probably some jobs for that, but it. it, it, I've been like what with with um, Sinead O'Connor and Tom York taught me about the value of not being stood up. So I employ that in daily life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's also common courtesy. Like you have a meeting with somebody, yeah, either. Be there for it, or you yeah. let them know something's come up.
2: Yeah, don't you think it's just I don't care if you're a big pop star, you know. Don't because if you act like that, this is the thing. See, I think these little things are very uh, revealing. If you're very famous and you slip into behaving like that, then you're it's not you're not a good person. And there's it's like there's so many great people. George, was amazing. Adam from Maroon 5 was amazing. There's some, so many lovely people, so many, and they're really famous, and they're more famous than you, sunshine, and they're not dicks. So, you know, you don't have to do it, but I have to say my experience of it was just magical. And, and you know, I wanted to be in a band when I was at college and I can't play or sing, but, you know, this was as close as I could get. And so with Maroon 5, you um, we pitched them an idea that we'd shoot at Abbey Road, where the Beatles filmed their records, just so we could go and hang out in Abbey Road, and they wanted to hang out at Abbey Road, and we're all dicking around at Abbey Road, taking having pictures taken of each other, like, you know, and making a <laughs> making a video, and uh, Adam would be posing at the piano where they wrote Hey Jude, and you know, it was just yeah. I just love that I love the fact that um, that musicians on one level outside of all of the marketing they are fans and they're enthusiastic. And if you get them talking and be existing in their kind of music mode, rather than their famous person mode, um, they like it because, you know, it's like, why they're doing it, you know? Most yeah. of them didn't start off, maybe they wanted to be famous, but, it, but the fame wasn't the real motivator, it was music, you know? Um, so I've always found that dealing with bands and and. Uh, artists is like if you can relate to them on a musical level and I don't know anything about music particularly but I can talk to them about the song and when you get the idea and what's the production and who's you you know and you can just set people at ease because I'm not saying oh how many Instagram followers have you got, or, do you know what I mean I mean that's that, that that was after my era really but yeah that's why I take on famous people yeah.
1: <laughs> Now, what about Paula Abdul? You did, you guys did like three, three videos for her yes. in a single year, oh, almost a single year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In
2: We did. Oh, that was so weird because we, we got, okay, good, good question. Because I've forgotten about Paula Abdul. We were groovy, we were officially groovy. So we got, in 1990, we were flown to LA from London and given a house to live in, it was amazing. And this is because of Soul to Soul, and some of these videos were big, we did a couple of Duran Duran videos. They were huge. And Virgin, who we were friends with people at Virgin because we did Soul to Soul with them, they were like, we think you should do Paul Abdul. And all I knew about Paul Abdul was David Fincher had done a couple of videos for her. Like, and anything he did, I was like, okay, I'm in that, I wanna be in that club. So we went to meet, and she was just great. I mean, it was great, and that was the biggest budget we had at the time. We did um, Promise of a New Day, and we, you know, we did this thing. There's these lenses that you can use called anamorphic lenses. I don't know if you know about these things. Mm-hmm. So, in old days of Hollywood, you'd get these panoramic cinemas that were super wide, but you'd shoot them on a lens that makes everyone really skinny, and then you have another lens when you project it to make them go to the normal size. But if you don't fix the skinniness, people stay skinny. And so we used this lens to make, and we didn't make it back to normal. So we just kind of made taller, all tall and skinny, which she loved. All right, and um, and we shot stuff in Hawaii, put her in Hawaii, did all this stuff, and um, she loved it. I mean, and it was a big hit at the time because in Living Color did a parody of the video and blah blah blah. And so we were just best mates, and we would hang out. and She flew us to Tokyo just to talk about a video. I mean, it was insane. Um, so we did the whole in bed with Madonna thing. We went to Tokyo and drove in the van back and forth to the arena with her and the dancers and the musicians and try and figure out a video idea. And then she'd go on stage and we'd say, okay, see you later. And she'd do a big arena show. And then we'd all go and have a curry, get in the van. It was really like being at the heart of superstardom. And she was so nice. She was so nice. And then we got asked to do um, blowing kisses in the wind. And that was like... You've got to shoot it in a day. You just got a day because I've got not shoot The management, the record company, do something, whatever it is, do something. But you got one day, so we shot that, which was really I really enjoyed that. It was a great little video, and um, and uh, and then we did "Will You Marry Me," and it just was that was crap. <laughs> <It> was crap. <laughs> we just oh god. We tried to do some tech video technology thing. It's terrible. So the song was pretty bad. Um, but I loved her. I thought she was great. I, I really enjoyed working with her. Um, yeah, and it was very odd to be these kids from London who we were kind of like hip rave culture kids wearing our groovy t-shirts, and then we're with Paul door But she was the same age as me. She was just, just a nice woman and a really good dancer, and, and I loved all the dancers. And I go to the rehearsals like. I'd be sitting there going, you lot are really good, you know. (laughs) God, you must practice, you know. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was a really joyful time. And then I remember being in a bar with David Fincher, and he'd done these videos for Paula, and then he was in the middle of doing Alien 3, and he had a horrible experience, and I met up with him and went out on the town in LA. And we were in the bar when Nirvana's "Smell Like Team Spirit came on. And neither of us had seen it. And we just watched it and went, and uh, we were like, our career's over. We're fucked. Like, we're fucked. This is gonna take over everything. And we just got really drunk. And I mean, his career's done fine. I mean, I did okay. But it was interesting to be with him at that point, because it was such a turning point when Nirvana hit and everything went grunge. And then videos became a very different thing for a few years they became very indie and kind of low five, which i didn't like because i was just trying to learn as much as i could to be you know professional and anyway yeah Paul outdoor lovely
0: did you feel like there was a project that you worked on that in like majorly impacted your career at all
2: well the the poor uh the the, the um laura nailed it like Lauryn Hill. I mean, mm. once you win a bunch of MTV awards, and that was the biggest video of the year. And so we got sent a load of commercials and I spent like three or four years doing, we didn't do a load of videos actually. I did George afterwards and we were gonna do Madonna. But we ended up getting sent loads of big budget commercials, which was like, oh great, we can get paid now, you know. And so we did them, we did them for like three or four years and, um, and we got attached to movies which didn't happen. So it made a big difference. And I think if one of those movies had happened then, it would have been fantastic. That was like two thousand, two thousand one. We should have done a movie, and it didn't happen. Then another one came and didn't happen. And so there was a moment when our career was like really amazing, and then just sheer Hollywood bullshit stopped the movies from. We were going to do a, a film with Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel. It was great. It didn't happen, and that and it was it would have been hilarious, a really good film. But um, yeah, Lauren Hill probably. But in the early days, Soul to Soul, Seal. Um, those things. We did a video for Enigma. I don't know if you ever saw that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. That was quite clever. That got a lot of attention because that was quite cutting edge technology back then. But there's been a few, you know, of these things, and that what you don't know at the time is there may not be many of them because you're on a roll and you think oh, I'll do this video and then I'll do another one and it will be just as good. And actually, what you realise that some videos are better than others, and sometimes you can't make a better one. You know. You can make a different one, but it doesn't hit the zeitgeist. It was maybe the song's not as good. And you might have done a brilliant job, but it's for some song that no one cares about, you know. So that that's how it goes. At least I didn't. Um, and and we were we were lucky enough. And I know Howard was the same. We were lucky enough when people really watched and cared about music videos because it was it was there was no internet. It was the nineties. MTV was really big, so people knew what you were doing because everyone watched TV. And now you do a music video and unless it's for like i don't know i don't even know who's like take this taylor you no one's seen it it's just on youtube
0: that's true
2: so yeah it was good it was a it was a, it was, a, it was the right place right time
1: that's a, that's <laughs> wonderful now i do have to ask because i know this wasn't 90s but out of those 2006 i think is when you you guys did this but Jesse McCartney, you guys did a music video for Jesse McCartney, right where you absolute, are.
2: Absolute seminal piece of work. It <laughs> was, it could have been good. He was a nice guy What and it could have been interesting, but we just, we, it was an interesting idea about this. And again, it was nothing to do with the song. We just wanted a guy whose world was changing around him all the time. i was just stuck in the time limits. So it was like, Grand Old Day meets like, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind meets, you know, whatever. And we had all these, and it was a nice, and it didn't work because we just didn't have quite have the money to do the, the stuff. But what was interesting about that, a really nice guy, but he was 17 at the time, like 17 or 18. And I was like 40-something in my early 40s. And it was too weird that this kid, who literally could have been my son, one of my, you know, he, Seventeen-year-old, and and I had this complete moment of like, shit. If this seventeen-year-old doesn't like what I'm doing, I have to do something. I, I, you know, and it was a very strange moment. You go, I think my time done. I think I think it's like time to move over. You know, like when you're a sports player. You, you know, yeah. you, okay, you've had your go. You can't play baseball anymore, Granddad. You're you're too. When, what was really great was when you're the same age as the bands, like that is perfect. That's just perfect. So young people should be doing music videos, in my opinion. I still do it for my mates, but not as a career, because I don't think you can swim in the zeitgeist in the same way, and you shouldn't do it, you know? It's fine, move on, and do something else. But that was the turning point, Jesse. And it was, it, like I say, he was really nice. But there was this stupid shit, we were shooting all these kind of scenes, and it, there's a thing on a motorbike, they made this put a helmet on him and he looked like such a dick. And um, and that for me that ruined the entire video because I could never get past he's got a fucking stupid safety helmet, he looks like a kindergarten kid going on a fucking tricycle. And like, what really clearly awesome. a that projection. We're in a studio. Why are you giving him a helmet? It's a record company, it was health and safety. But that it looks stupid.
1: Wait, you you guys were in the studio and they required
2: the helmet. Yeah, yeah. Oh they my gosh. It's going to look like he's on a motorbike. We're like, no, it's supposed to look ridiculous. It's supposed to look fake. We've got, you know, scenes appearing and disappearing and lampshades just coming, up, you know, streetlights coming around. Was, and then suddenly he's on a subway and then the studio appears. There's all this quite clever stuff. But, yeah, we never left the studio in bloody Burbank. And what the fuck's he got out hat on? So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. that's insane. Like, that's kind
1: of... I guess in a sense, a little bit of the music video magic is certain things that you may think, "Oh, are they, are they out on on location?" Oh no, they're just in a fucking studio.
2: Yeah, no, and the Spice Girls for years, no one realized that we they didn't come to New York, which I thought yeah. was the obvious that they were in a studio. But like, know, uh, you know, that's the magic of uh, cinema, you know. But that, but I think the videos that I've done that that still look good were shot for real i mean this bicycle still looks good george still looks good but there's a lot of other ones which just camera with you know wasn't because a lot of 90s stuff looks very dated because the colors are really lurid and there's something cheap about the whole thing which everyone was having fun with at the time but if you get um too stuck in your era uh, i think you it's just going to date really badly not that anyone cares at the time because they just want to be like what's hip in 96, but you know, what's hip in 96 will look a bit less hip 15 years later. Yes. But if you go kind of classical in the colors and the styling and even the styling, like the Spice Girls styling looks kind of 90s, but it's come back, isn't it? It's still, mm-hmm. it's okay. And Lauren, because we set half a bit in the sixties, it's fine. The whole thing, it's fine. It just looks yeah. like timeless, really genuinely timeless. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, some things hold up. And I think a lot of videos that are being made now will hold up, actually. There's a lot of videos now are much more narrative driven and, you know, they're not reliant on a lot of. Spe- Some of them are very cartoony and the special effects will look naff. But I don't know, man. I have a lot of time for people making music videos now. I think they're, they're good people. I like them.
0: So you did finally do a movie, Love is Blind, which we both watched. Would yeah. you mind telling us a little bit about that experience and how, yeah. how it was different from like shooting a music video?
2: Yeah, so we, this was with a woman, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, we were overdue. I mean, I was in my 40s when we made it and I was like, you know, and we worked with the producer before, we tried to make these films, didn't happen, got that one. And then it, originally it was a $10 million movie with Anne Hathaway in the lead, right? And and then Anne Hathaway pulled out, and they were like, "Okay, can you do it for one million? You're clever." And and so we tried, and we managed to make it. It was an interesting story, but and we managed to get it find figure out a way to make it for like a million and a half dollars, which is crazy. But we got really good cast. We got Aidan Turner. We got Chloe Savini. People liked the story because the script was really interesting, really dark and interesting. And so we made it, and it wasn't that hard. I mean, it was. I'd been making stuff for a long time. I was nervous, but I wasn't that nervous. Like I've been on set forever. So it was like, it's fine, it's fine. It was, it was, we had to make it in 19 days, which is quick. 19 days to do a movie With a load wow. of special effects in it. Yeah, it was, you know, we, but what happened, which was sad, was the edit became a bit of a mess, and, and we, were, we, we made a lot of mistakes. We, what, you know, the ed, it, it could have been really, a really good film. But to get it to be made for that money, some scenes had to be cut for logistical reasons. So this is what goes on sometimes. You've got a scene that is really important for the story, but it's 30 miles away, the location is, takes you two hours to get there with the crew. And you can't do it if you're keeping the budget to a certain number and there's some of the shoot days. So that scene has to go, not because you think it's a good story decision, but because you can't get the trucks there in time. So cut it. And so there were some of those decisions throughout the script. And so it became slightly less coherent than it should. And then you realize, I needed that. And when you're in the pre-production process, there is a lot of pressure from your producers and people to to be a team player, they call it. And don't fight for scenes. Like, why are you being, be a team player, we just need to make sense. And you, part of you is going, no, but if we don't have this scene, honestly, the story doesn't work. And they're like, yeah, but we, what else do you want to lose? This makes sense. You know, so that happened before we shot. And then in the edit, you're trying to repair a story that's got holes in it. And so I think the film suffers from that. I think it's a it's magic realist. And look, And if you watch the film in scenes, it's great, it's nice. It looks nice and beautifully done. Nice special effect. But if you watch the whole thing, it's less than the sum of its parts. It's really weird. It just, I, in my opinion, I think it's a sweet little movie, but just doesn't have a coherent narrative, you know, thread because it was scaled down from ten million to one and a half, and 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 it, and where we cut corners was not where we should have cut corners. So I do blame myself, but I do also think. We did an amazing job. It really does look amazing. And there's brilliant people in it. And it was such a joy to work with Matthew Broderick, Chloe Savini, they've been great. You know, and then i shot another one. So I stopped working with Monty a few years ago. Kind of as a result of that film, we kind of thought it's one, it's, you know, it was kind of so disillusioning. And I went off and started making films with artists, not musicians, just artists. And um, and then got sent this film last year to make it in Houston. So I shot a film in, Houston, uh, at the okay. end of last year, which is okay. being edited now. Um, we've done an assembly; and it's pretty good, and we're we're waiting. We're doing some more editing, but that was that was so joyful, and I and it was really interesting to do it on my own and just do it myself. And because you know I've been used to working with a partnership, and so I'd done five years of shooting my own things, little short films and stuff. So I was kind of completely ready, which was ridiculous. Of course, I was ready. But you know, when you've been in a kind of relationship thing for a long time. And so that's um, going through post, and there's a couple more maybe on the way. So mm. yeah, watch out. We'll def-
1: we will yeah. definitely be yeah. keeping your yeah. eyes out. So so kind of talking a little bit about um, the partnership, because I mean, a lot of times, you when you hear about directors, it's just a singular. There's not a lot of co-directors, but you and Monty had made that work for such a long period of time. Yeah. how how did that kind of work?
2: Well, it worked because we were very good friends, but we weren't living in each other's lives. So we we but we got on really well, but we didn't like hang out after work. That's really important, you know. I think we had different skill sets. At that, we didn't realize we had different skill sets, but we did. So I was really good at technical stuff. I like I just was, and Monty was really good at um, like art department stuff and wardrobe and and kind of a different part of the visual medium. And we were both really good editors. Like we're really good. So we would edit all our own videos. We edited Seal and we edited Paula and we did all like for a year. I still I just edit all the time now. You know. And so we were great, and so you could kind of, and in the edit you could, say save things, but you could make things very distinctive. And so we would do one day on, one day off, and I'd edit, I'd be at the front and editing, and he'd be at the back, and then, or, you know, he wouldn't come in, and I would, and so we shared duties really well, and we were very good at backing each other up in meetings. So you could go, I think you should be on a donkey, emerging from a fire, uh, in the jungle or some ridiculous thing like that. And Monty would go, that eh, that's a great idea. Donkey on fire, brilliant, right? And so that's always fantastic. And then we would, <laughs> we would do, we had a really good sense of humor. Now in the UK, there's this thing. In the US, when you go like that, it's very rude.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In the UK, it's that.
1: Mm, okay.
2: So mm-hmm. I'd be in a meeting and I'd be talking going, Yes, we're going to do this and that, and Monty would be there like this. Yeah? Is that right? <laughs> really childish, uh-huh. uh huh. You know, <laughs> or just going, just doing a little wanker sign, and just, <laughs> just and and then <laughs> and we just just have so much fun. So he passed me notes, and it, 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 I'd be sitting there, and this is when you're meeting like Mercedes, and. um, you get, and Monty black like, okay, yeah. And then he passed me a like, I just, just couldn't pass. And I turned over and he just say fuck off.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because you're trying to stop making each other laugh in meetings and that was amazing because then you're more concerned. There was more focus that I'm gonna try and get him to laugh and he's gonna try and get me to laugh. Then you're nervous about meeting fucking Madonna because you know that in the meeting, he's going to be there again. And <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff. And so there was, it was very um, good. And we, were, we enjoyed filming process. We, did, we were bad to advertising agencies, we were quite bad. In hindsight, it was terrible. We were very disrespectful because we thought, because you don't write the script in advertising, you know, you, the ad, agency writes it. So you just make it look nice. which was still a really important job. You don't write it and we were like, yeah, but in music videos, we actually write this stuff. So, you know, because they go, I really like that video you did. And and often we get, we do videos and they get copied by adverts, you know, music We do a music video, and then they get copied. And we we're like, yeah, adverts, that's just bullshit. Like, they're all fucking wankers. You know, we had this really weird attitude. Music videos really work. We were really music video purists, you know. And so we shared that. We felt, we were like, we felt really like creators. We fell into that, but, you know, still took the piss out of each other, but um, we had a very similar, Worldview, and that was the secret, and it kind of slowly soured. I think just through you know, you grow up, don't you? We did, we had a good go, we were doing it together for like 30 years or something, nearly so. But eventually, back, you know, and I, in the end, it got just kind of um, I felt Monty was you know getting fed up with having me having an opinion, he wanted to do it and i got fed up with not being allowed to have an opinion so we, we're still friends but i like it more now i mean you know because so i can just do what i like
0: that makes sense absolutely yeah. so going from the first music video that you did back in the late 80s and now up into um like the new movie that you did love is blind how would you say technology has changed or your perspective on how you yeah. approach a project how has that changed
2: I mean okay so I think the secret is I mean I'm not saying so, like on certain projects when there's like like the Mandalorian and they shoot in front of these big LED screens I haven't done any of that and I'm not bothered but my, in my opinion, filmmaking was always not about the, the way you film it. Like, it wasn't really about the camera or the equipment. It's about what you put in front of the camera. So the decisions are like, what's in front of the camera? And that's people, dogs, car, elephant. You know, the standard three or four elements. Always. And so there's, there's, there's no technology there. It's people. It's people singing and dancing in music videos. Or it's like, you know, it's just what you put in front of the camera is your job as a director and so doesn't matter what the technology is you can have a iPhone or a you know IMAX camera or anything you can project it on a high-def television uh, a cinema or you know digitally you get it on your phone that doesn't matter it's still what you put in front of the camera right place right people right time that's it good script that's it and that hasn't changed that hasn't changed since 1923 so that's my opinion. It's like there's a lot of talk about technology and I love it. It means that I can make things on my own much easier. That's great. But the skill set, but that most of technology you can learn in a day on YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Don't need to go to film school. Spend a couple of days on YouTube. You'll be fine. Right. Then you start making it. That's amazing. That's really good. That's not to be, you know, when I was learning, you'd have to go to some filmmakers co-op and rent a camera and it was a clockwork camp, like all of that. So it was hard to get going. But, but actually, outside of the very early start of your career, the technology is, doesn't matter. It's like, doesn't matter. Not, not to what the real job is. And I think a lot of people involved in filmmaking now, who are starting out, get really hung up on the equipment and technology. Well, don't, you, know, and you see these bullshit fucking things. Oh, look what I can do with my camera, it's like, yeah, but still shit. You know, it's not interesting. It's like high resolution. Oh, okay, you know, so that's, that's what I'd say. Um, and I don't mean to be clear, but I think it's, it's really true that there's a timelessness to filmmaking that transcends the technology. So, you know, hasn't really changed. It's not got it's not really got any slower. I mean, because you can shoot digitally and you can do take after take after take. But like so what? You know, because the most important thing is after a take, you think about what you've just done. And then do it again, and and then talk to the actors or talk to the musicians, and everyone needs a breather. I know you know you get you can shoot 50 takes on you know without stopping, and there is something to it, but that's marginal, and I think what is really the key is to be on set or on location, set the shot up, do it, real and, and have a bodily reaction to it an instinctive reaction that you would then adjust things. And so you do need to stop filming because one of the benefits of digital cameras is that you don't have to reload the camera, for instance, right? Or with film, you'd have to, be very, you have to turn the camera off quick because you don't want to waste film because it's so expensive. So you'd be very careful. And and that hat, that was true, and it was kind of annoying, but it also was fine because you'd think about what you want to say to Simon Le Bon about how he did his take. Simon, dear boy, don't try and pretend to be Iggy Pop. You're not Iggy Pop, <laughs> right? You're a bloke from Birmingham. So let's go again, you know. So yeah, that's what I think about that.
1: Is there any song that you have heard from any artists in the past or currently that you that just resonated with you to where you were like, "Damn, I wish I could have made a music video for that."
2: I'm sure there are. Oh, okay. I mean, I remember when um, when Vogue came up. I mean, this a long time ago, but when Vogue came up by Madonna, I was like, "Oh shit, that's amazing." You know, there's a, there's a lot of um, I can't remember them now. I mean, there's some, there's some rock and rock, like Street Spirit for Radiohead. Again, that's an ancient one. And I remember that because I got, we got sent the track, couldn't think of anything to do, you know? But that's an amazing song. So there's, there's a few, but not really. I don't think so. I would say Vogue. I think it's just an immaculate pop song. And um, I was around. I don't wouldn't have done such a good job at all. Um, and there's bit there's you know there's some nine inch nail stuff I thought was really good, hmm. but, um, but no, not really because I I don't weirdly I don't think this is a terrible admission, but it wasn't really. Oh, that song was really good. It was more like oh, that song will allow me to do this kind of idea, hmm. and after you've done it for a few years, you build up a. Back catalogue of unmade scripts and ideas, and then so you've so a song comes in and you first thing you do is you look at the stuff you thought of before and see if you can fit it in, right? So you don't have to be endlessly you, you you're creative, but you don't bin the old, old ideas. And so when you get excited by a song, it's because oh maybe I can do this idea for it, right? Okay. Even the George Michael one was George was recycling something we did with All Saints, you know, and um, so no, I don't really. What well, I think is interesting why I still love music videos and all of this stuff is that like, when you see the video, then you think, oh, I wish I'd done that because like this is, the the childish Gambino, this is America. It's like that's amazing. That's amazing. Massive Attack. Okay, Massive Attack. Oh, we really wanted to work with Massive Attack mm. all of our career. Oh my God. And we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. They wouldn't have us. It was just because they were friends with Soul to Soul and they were like, nah, they've done all your. We did all of Soul to Soul's videos. And Massive Attack were like, nah, we're going to use other people. So that that's my answer. I would have died to do a Massive Attack thing. That would have been great. But recently, no. I mean, the music I like now is all like. Fucking ambient stuff and you know so I, I, it's not relevant to you know and stuff that you don't make videos for because i now what i think about is songs for music for films so i listen to songs in a very different way so i'm thinking, thinking it could this fit in a film or you know that that's interesting that could be good in a movie make may keep a note of that and build up a kind of i have playlists of songs that from other films or, or you know songs that from singles that not that I want to make a video for, but I would like to remember to use that in a film or use something like it. So I think in a different way. That's quite a shift. So
1: I I'm kind of on going off of that, uh, I kind of liked some insight on this. You might be able to help with us uh, And so with us, we've been like rewatching 90s things, obviously. Yeah. And we've noticed that there's different some of like streaming service and everything have different music than what was originally. Um and so be now that you're also doing uh movies and everything too. Do you know what that why that is? Is like sometimes when it's released, there's different songs than what's um originally done
0: in
2: it. No, I don't know. I mean, I think it's licensing issues and stuff, probably. I mean, it's just like When you get, when you do a deal with a, usually what happens is when you, uh, if it's music in your movie that you, is it bought from a band, let's say it's a needle drop, what's called a needle drop, you license it for X number of years. So you say we do a deal and it's exclusive rights for 10 years maybe, you know, or five years. And then that runs out. And then if the, films needs to be re-released that has to be renegotiated and it may not go that well for the film if it's been a big hit then the artists will want twice as much money quite rightly um i would imagine that's why it's just licensing and contracts yeah
0: one more question not related to anything really but what was your favorite 90s movie
2: oh that's a good I, you know, you've thrown that on me. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my mind's just going to the really obvious ones. Um, but wow, can, I need a minute. i trying to be arty. I don't, well, I tell you one that I enjoyed. I, it was Moulin Rouge 90s? I believe so. Early yeah, two thousands might be early two. I think that really holds up is Heat by Michael Mann. Oh, that's a pretty okay. good. Movie. That's a pretty good movie. It's yeah. uh, and then I think The Matrix came out in ninety nine, and that was pretty yes. awesome. Yes, you know those. I mean, they're big Hollywood things, and and there's, there's some other. I'm trying to think of. Okay. So, I, was Amelie 90s or was it early 2000s? I think you might. Uh, Amelie was amazing. Have you seen that film, the French movie, Amelie?
0: I've heard of it, but I don't think I ever it. Oh saw my God. It. I remember putting it back. Uh, I used to work,
1: my first job was Blockbuster.
2: Oh, amazing. And
1: it was always being rented. So I always remember putting it back and I never was able to grab a hold of it, so.
2: You should watch Amelie. Okay, it's book. astonishing. It's mental how good it is. It's just so good. And then Sexy Beast came out in the 90s. I think Jonathan Glazer's film. That was pretty amazing. Okay.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Then Boogie Nights was pretty fucking cool.
0: Mm.
2: Boogie Nights is a good picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's some English ones, but I'm blanking on them now. But yeah, it was good. I mean, it was, again, Here's the thing, I just, I think, I know your podcast is 90s themed, and that's terrific, but I think there's not a bad decade, ever. All decades have got good stuff. It's quite interesting, because you can't, I think there's a tendency to think, oh, I was born, I wish I was alive then, or I wish I was working then. Yeah, I even, I thought today I was like, oh, it would have been fun to be around in the 40s, but I bet it was shit, and I bet it would have been great. It would have been, you know, it would have been different. So I think, um, but I think there was yeah the night, Quentin Tarantino. I met Quentin Tarantino at my last story.
1: Oh yes, please.
2: And so I met him, um, at the Chateau Marmont Hotel in Los Angeles at the, at the Golden Globes party. And I was staying at the hotel. I met him. I met him in a lift. And I was like, oh man, it's really good to meet, you, man. I loved. Him. And this was like five, six years ago. Wasn't that long? That ten years ago. And I was like, oh man, I love your movie. And he went, Which one? And he made fucking loads. This is like 2015. And I went, oh, Reservoir Dogs. And he went, well, I've made, really? I've made many more. And I went, I know, but that's the best one. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, it's the best one because it's so simple. It's just, you, you've got a load of great actors and you put them in a warehouse, you told a great story. It's like, it's amazing. And he was talking about how he'd made um, what's the kung fu one he did with Daryl Hannah, Kill Bill, the two Kill Bill movies. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, but Kill Bill. I've you know he was defending. He was like, yeah, but what about Kill Bill? And I was like, no, oh, it's great, man. It's great. It's great. Like really patronising. No, very good, very good. And He's like, but I studied all these kung fu masters, and I, I know, of course, it, yes, easy. I'm just saying, best one. Because when he did that, I was the same, I'm the thing, I'm the same age as to And that came out and I was like, God damn it, that is so great. It's so simple. You've got such great actors. You told such a great story. I might go and watch it today. It was great. And what was so good about it is it was it very inspiring because you felt if you knew a little bit about what you're doing, you could do that. That's copyable. I think when you start out, I'll leave you with this. It's important that you think you can do it either because it seems achievable or because it's so shit, of course you can do better, right? <laughs> that, they're the two ways. And, and I thought Reservoir Dogs was amazing because it felt like if only I had the... I, it's not like, you, you know, you need to have tens of millions of dollars to do it. You just need a good idea and some good actors. Yeah. So. Anyway, girls, I think I've talked enough and I hope you've
1: enjoyed it. That's been amazing. I have absolutely enjoyed this, Andy. Thank you so, so much for okay. for joining us. Like this is put a new spin on a lot of the music videos we loved okay. growing okay. up. And I love hearing all the stories. Again, we are eternally grateful for you to join us today.
2: All right. Well, I, I wish the... You well with your podcast i hope it goes extraordinarily well and takes over thank the world so thank you yeah well you have
1: a wonderful day don't don't party too hard for that coordination <laughs> celebration
2: <laughs> No, no I'm not gonna, but thank you so lovely to see you and um good luck with everything
1: thank, thank you. you so much have a good day thank you